2: Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone, Sounds of the Week, put together by Austin right there, brought to you by RGS Exteriors. They will improve the curb of feel for your house with James Hardy brick, stone, and stucco exteriors, along with soffit fish and rain gutters. Check them out at rgsutahsiding.com. Gordo, we're going to talk to Howard Beck coming up here momentarily as we roll on with the NBA Daily Assist. And uh, I, you know, what I've read into more about this last dance, Gordon, is uh, is Jerry Krause and how he was treated throughout his run with the Bulls. It's interesting how folks are on different sides of the coin with him.
0: Yeah, I just read a story with a headline: "Jordan is still bullying Krause." I, you know what? I and think we read
2: the same story. Yeah, I, but the one I was, read was on CBSSports.com.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it, so it's it goes on and on these things. And maybe that's a part of maybe that's another illustration of the Jordan personality, you know, that uh, he's he's not going to forget that stuff. It's going to stay with him.
2: It's it's one of those things, though, you you wonder, is that just Michael Jordan looking for anything to latch on to to have, you know, an enemy, so to speak? Or is it actually something Krause did to fracture the relationship? Because I think about that, you know, where they wanted to hold him out when he was coming back from the broken foot. I mean, and, and that was kind of the beginning, they said, in the in the documentary of Jordan's fractured relationship with him. But how many general managers would have done the exact same thing?
0: Yeah, probably a lot of them. But at some point, you've got to release this stuff. Don't you have to let it go? Just for your own well-being, seems like.
2: All right, it's time for your Daily Assist. Austin, hit it.
1: It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Bleacher Report, Howard Beck. 97.5 1280 The Zone in The Zone Sports Network
2: Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air Check them out online at Lee'sHeatAC.com Out to the Sprint special guest line we go Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. From the Bleacher Report our good friend Howard Beck Howard, how are you?
3: Hey guys, good, how are you?
2: Hey, we're doing great. Uh, of course, like seemingly the rest of the country, we're still talking about the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. Uh, your thoughts on the on the first two episodes and what stood out to you?
3: Yeah, it's a little bit of a blur because, and I, I swear, I'm not saying this to do that, that humble brag thing or a brag brag or any other. I, I have uh, the, the first eight episodes out of the ten and so I've watched all eight and I've been binging over the last few days um, and so now it's all kind of a blur and I can't remember what was in ga- <laughs> or all of what was one one and two versus the, the next six um, by the way they're all great I'm not going to give any spoilers it's, it's, the whole ride is a lot of fun and I'm, I'm very curious to see what's in the ninth and tenth episodes because they're the only ones they did not release to the, to, to people when they were um, sending out these advanced screeners anyway um, You know, I think the main takeaway from the first two episodes um, is just the idea that it reminds you that this was a, a, a crazy moment, actually, in modern NBA history, breaking up a championship team that was still at its peak. And there's really no analog for it. You know, I thought about the 2011 Dallas Mavericks Where they won the championship, and then Cuban kind of outsmarted himself and thought it was going to be all about cap room, and so he, you know, uh, you know, lets kid go and Tyson Chandler go, and just immediately starts tearing down, thinking you know there's going to be a lockout and, and 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 we're going to pivot and we're going to do. And now that team was a little older anyway, and maybe they did not have a shelf life to try to defend a title, but you always want a team to be able to to defend a title, and that was one of the most powerful statements from Michael Jordan in the last dance was just, Hey, I I think we should have a right to do this until, until we lose. And you think about it, Jordan, you know, he's, he's, he's older, but he's still the best player in the game. And, and Pippen is, is okay. Maybe he's, he's on the downside, but he's still great. Um, Rodman's a force of nature. They've got this nice supporting cast. They've got Phil Jackson, who's at that time, the best coach in the NBA. Um, and like, why would you prematurely pull the plug? but, and, and, and it all goes to Jerry Krause and, and the feud and, the, and the, the differences and the tension that, were, that existed between Krause and Phil Jackson, Krause and the players. Um, I had Sam Smith, you know, obviously the, the, the longtime Chicago Tribune reporter now working for Bulls.com, but was you know, covering the Bulls for the Chicago Tribune for all those years. Um, Sam, of course, also uh, a Gowdy Award winner, so he's in, in the Hall of Fame. I had him on my podcast on Monday, and Sam's thing is, yeah, you know, it's easy to demonize Krause and say it's about him, but there was more to it. It's not just Krause deciding, that's it, we're not going to allow them to defend this championship, or, or, you know, before the season even started, actually, before they even won the sixth. It's it's about Phil Jackson felt like there was a shelf life and had already given indications that he wasn't going to want to stay on for much longer anyway, if at all. Um, Jordan... Um, you know, maybe saw the writing on the wall and, you know, obviously did tie himself to Phil Jackson in a lot of ways. And so if he wasn't going to play for any other coach, well, then that makes the decision for him. Sam was was saying, hey, look, Dennis Rodman was a ticking time bomb. He was always, you know, within, you know, you never knew when the next flare up or when you were going to lose him entirely. Pippen is, is starting to degrade. So Sam's feeling is they weren't going to win another one anyway, as far as he was concerned. He didn't think so. Now in a shortened lockout season, who knows? Who knows what might have happened? Um, you know, that was when the Knicks come from, you know, the eighth seed to, to make the finals and get spanked by the Spurs. So could the Jordan, even an older uh, starting-to-fray, Michael Jordan-led Bulls team have beaten that version of the New York Knicks? Yeah, probably, <laughs> I'd say so. Um, but anyway, there there is a counterpoint. There is some nuance and obviously, the filmmakers of this documentary decided not to go with the nuance, because I'm sure Sam Smith, who interviewed with them for that documentary and is featured in it, I'm sure he said all the same things with them that he did with me on my pod, and they clearly did not go down that road.
0: So, Dr. Beck, having watched all these episodes, will you please psychoanalyze Michael Jordan for us? I
3: don't think there's much psychoanalyzing necessary, to be honest. I mean, he I think he is... First of all, I'll tell you this. As you go through this, uh, uh, you know, through the first eight episodes, yes, you will see the bullying, you know, alpha dog, domineering, sometimes mean-spirited or seemingly mean version of Michael Jordan. You will also see um, very vulnerable Michael Jordan, both in past and present. Vulnerable in tears when he wins his first championship. In tears, of course, the Father's Day championship that he won his, his sixth the, the, the um, excuse me the the the, uh, the fourth the first one he wins after his father is, is has has uh, been murdered um, and then in the present you see Michael getting a little emotional at times too in has been his modern day interviews reflecting on a lot of things over the course of his career and being very reflective about that bullying uh, aspect of himself and so now I won't psychoanalyze I'll just say that I think, when you see him in all of his dimensions, I and mean, maybe we don't get all of them, but we get a lot of his dimensions in the course of this documentary, you just see that, like a lot of people, he's complicated. He's not always the alpha dog, you know, bleep who is on the court bullying teammates to tr- because he thinks that's the way to get the best out of them. Um, he's that guy when he has to be, and that's the way he saw. the 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 best path to him that was the best way to be a leader to him that was the best way of bringing out the best in his guys and as he said preparing them for the pressure cooker of a championship run that if you can't handle me riding you this hard and demanding all that i'm demanding well then you can't ride with me anyway because you're not going to be up for the challenge that we're going to face in may and june and you can dispute that. You can say, "Well, hey, look, Steph Curry showed us you can win by being a total nice guy." Okay, it's fine, but I mean, different time for one, and there's different ways to to lead. And so I want I want necessarily to defend everything that he says or does that we'll see in the in the course of the documentary. I'll just say that it it certainly worked for him, um, and it's just it's who he is. I, I I don't I don't judge it one way or another. I just kind of look at it like this is. It's just fascinating to see him in in all those dimensions.
2: You know, I found Draymond Green's comments that he had kind of identified with what the Bulls were going through and, and kind of compared it to what they went through with the Warriors did uh, when their kind of crew with Kevin Durant was, was coming to an end. And I, I think it's interesting, no matter how great the team, you're not immune from this stuff, the drama, the, the human nature of it all.
3: Well, yeah, um, different circumstances, different teams, different – uh, challenges to face, but the, the commonalities, and look, Steve Kerr as the bridge between obviously the 90s Bulls and the Warriors, Kerr had said that many times over the last few years that, you know, there's among the challenges when you're a dynasty is, is just trying to keep this thing going, um, trying to keep guys from getting sick of each other and getting on each other's nerves. Uh, finding new ways to motivate yourself when you, you know, win a championship or you've won a couple and now you've got to start at square one again and go, okay, it's an 82 game grind of a season. How do we make it interesting? How do we keep it feeling urgent every day when we know that the real games are, are in May and June? Um, the Bulls certainly dealt with all of that. And, and that's one of the fascinating things about the 90s Bulls is that they win six championships in eight years, but the first three-peat and the second three-peat are completely different teams other than Michael, Scotty, and Phil. Like, that's it. Those are the only three people, two players and the coach, who were there for all six. The entire supporting cast changes from the the first repeat to the second. And in doing so, whether that was intentional or or just the way things evolved with Michael leaving and then coming back, it was effective in that it gave them – You know, these these fresh faces who had not won anything, who had not accomplished anything, who had the hunger still, and had the ultimate leader in Michael Jordan, and one of the other all-time greats in Scottie Pippen, to to attach themselves to and play off of, and, and, you know, having that fresh blood and and, and guys who who still had a, a different kind of motivation, I think, helps. And in, in the case of the Warriors, you know, they really kept together the core of that team. And that's different, again. It's not a, it's not an eight-year run. It's a five-year run and, and counting. But over the course of those five years, they really kept together, for the most part, the same core group, obviously adding Durant. Um, but, you know, that. in fact, when Durant came, that was one of the advantages. Like, okay, yes, one <laughs> he is supremely talented, one of the greatest scorers of all time. But it was also, I think Steve Kerr has talked about this again, that it it gave them a different feel, it was like okay we've got to now incorporate this player, and we 've got to figure out how to play off of him and him to play off of us and it it, it gave them a, a, a new wrinkle, something new to to think about and to work on, and you need that um, even if it hadn't been durant, even if it had just been you know just a a, a you know a solid to second tier star type guy instead of a superstar, it still would have that adding that that Um, that that new dimension, that new uh, face, I think it just helps championship teams to continue to, to, you know, have have an edge or have each season feel new. So, Howard, there's the mental side of
0: the game, and then there's the physical side. As you've watched this, and I know it's a bit of an anomaly because we're looking at one of the great teams of of all time, but – was basketball better back then than it is now, or is it better now, or is that pretty much impossible to discuss because the game has changed so much?
3: Yeah, I mean, you guys know me. I'm, I'm, I, I, I hate the historical comparisons, um, and I'm, I'm not – It's it, like watching the Bulls is not like watching the rest of the league. <laughs> like you watch mm-hmm. the 90s Bulls. No matter what else we may say about that era – and that era, look, the, 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 the game started to was was more, more plotting in that era. Um, it was more physical and some people like that. Some people prefer the free flowing, open nature of today's game, higher tempo, teams spread out, it's not all about just who can beat the crap out of each other as the, the like the Knicks of the nineties and the pistons of, of you know, the nineties the did. Um, so aesthetically you could say the game looks better now. But it's an unfair comparison when you put it through the Bulls prism because watching those Bulls teams, watching Michael Jordan, and Frank Scottie, too, for that matter. Scottie's one of my all-time favorite players, just as, 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 a, as a, you know, if I were to take myself out of the reporter role, and it's just who I enjoyed watching over the years. I like loved watching Scottie Pippen, just so graceful. And so that team is so much fun to watch and play such a great brand of ball, and they do share the ball. It's not just Michael Jordan dominating, you know, Ninety percent of the possessions, he's he, he like he's a good distributor, he, and he's he played within the triangle. He had to move the ball, um, except in crunch time when it be you know obviously became the Michael Show a lot of the time. But they're most, they're a lot of fun to watch. Um, the game itself, you know, if you just grabbed a random like Pistons Bucks game from the '90s and the Pistons Bucks game from today, I got I don't know. I, I I think it's I think so much of enjoyment has to do with who you're a fan of. And, and if the game you're watching has high-level talent, because if you're watching top 20, top 10-type players in any era, there's a you, you can enjoy the game no matter what style of ball was prominent in that era.
2: Howard Beck of the Bleacher Report with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Howard, uh, we talked to our mutual friend Sam Amick last week about his optimism of the NFL, uh, excuse me, NBA finishing the season, and he'd wrote, written that he talked to folks who were optimistic about it. Then we talked to you last Friday right after that Adam Silver teleconference where he wasn't exactly optimistic. So we asked Sam this week if the folks he was talking to were still optimistic, and he said that they were. Where are, what are you hearing in the people that you talk to around the NBA about an optimism level?
3: I mean, as recently as a few days ago, it's the executive with the team say he thinks we'll be up and running by July 1st. And I texted back. I said, I'm highly, highly skeptical. And, I, and he said, yeah, I get it. I mean, I think some of this is wishful thinking. Um, and listen, you know, Sam's a good friend, and I don't doubt at all that he's talked to people who are optimistic. You can find optimism around the league. But I think sometimes if you press them a little, like, okay, but how – how are we getting there? When is, when, when is you know, uh, when are public health officials and elected officials going to be ready to say it's okay and under what parameters? And then, yeah, I that. It, it, it's so much more complicated than just optimism. Like, I, it, maybe there's a path there, but I think a lot of it is predicated on a belief that while we still don't have enough testing here on April 24th, six weeks into this uh, shutdown, um There's a belief or a hope that sometime soon we'll have all the testing we need and the serological testing that will let you know if if you've got antibodies and if you've already been exposed and and recovered and all that. And then if we have all that and we can do contact tracing and all these other things, then, okay, there's a path to reopening parts of society. But, you know, there's a lot that has to come first and all this testing and then, you know, hey, let's get the schools up and running and let's get, you know, other public services up and running and let's get, you know, stores and restaurants and all you know, let's get, get other parts of life back together before we can consider what we're doing with sports. Uh, even if you're doing it without fans, it still requires a lot to put on a game. So, I, like, I, I don't, I, you know, it, it's within, obviously, the realm of possibility that everything breaks right and, and the NBA comes back and the, the, the optimists prove to be to be correct, and you know, look, even July 1st is still a ways off. But I don't think we've seen anything as we sit here on April 24th to suggest that we're we're getting close because the testing is still not sufficient, and that we don't have contact tracing. And you know, obviously, you know, a vaccines way off in the future. Um, and while we've seen some evidence, perhaps that we have reached a peak in places like New York, where I live it still takes a long time to come down from the peak. It it takes as long to come down as it did to go up. And so there are still, you know, we we just hit 50,000 deaths for the country today. Um, There's still a lot of people, uh, still plenty of new cases every day across the country, and still a lot of deaths every day across the country. And so I I just, I, I don't see how anybody can be that optimistic now other than, Like I say, like a theoretical optimism uh, with all these other assumptions that would have to come first.
0: Yeah, Howard, I agree with you because the NBA is going to follow the science you know follow science yes. and then you got to ha- you got to have the uniformity unless you play it under a mm-hmm. bubble you got to have the uniformity from from one end of the country to the other in order to do this in a more traditional way and what's the likelihood of that that makes it much more difficult because you know one state has a different idea about an- than another state does so it's it's going to take time
3: yeah and and the states you know as we've seen are, are applying very different standards some are following science and some are following, I don't even know what they're following. Uh, they're following their own whims. Um, and so we don't even have a consistent approach. And while some states are trying to reopen, uh, you know, and, and the scientists would tell you prematurely, then we may have a spike in cases again. We almost certainly will. And, and so, you know, what happens when, when that occurs? Um, Where does that leave us? And, you know, look, the NBA will follow the science, as you said. Um, I have no doubt about that. They're going to be smarter about it than, say, the governor of Georgia. But they, you know, they also know that the second that they reopen the NBA, if somebody then tests positive, a player, a staffer, whatever, it could cause them to have to shut down all over again. Um, you know, it just, it, 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 it's, it's all, it's very risky. And when, when we talk about, you know, I love that people always talking about like, ah, uh, you know, that's fine. These are young athletes and they can hit. Well, one, there have been plenty of people who seemed otherwise healthy who have died of this. So there's, there's that. But even if we assume that the, the 450 players are somehow impervious to this, um, could get sick and they'll, and they'll be just fine, okay. But guess what? You have coaches in their 70s and assistant coaches, GMs, scouts, uh, other people um i you just you can't <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of risk that goes way beyond just the guys on the court once you know if, if the nba is going to to start up as usual
2: Howard as usual thank you very much for jumping on with us we always look forward to it
3: Always a pleasure fellas thank you
2: thanks thank you Howard be well That's the great Howard Beck from Bleacher Report he joins us each and every Friday and uh, we always look forward to it when he does
0: you know, Howard seems like the kind of guy that would be interesting to get like a uh, a film recommendation or a book recommendation from a guy like that. I bet I bet he would have some good ones.
2: I bet he would. Seems like a, yeah. a well-read fellow.
0: Yeah. Uh huh. Kind of a Renaissance guy.
2: Yeah. What uh, What book are you uh, into, Gordon? I haven't read a book.
0: Ever? I've done a lot. I've done a lot of reading, but I haven't been reading books lately. That's a good idea, Jake. Actually, okay, I, I I've been a little busy though, doing both my jobs and stuff, and but and and taking care of family, and and trying to keep everybody, you know. But a book might be a good dis uh, this, uh, this kind of disruption from what I'm normally thinking about right now. But I am doing the movie thing still. What are you doing at night?
2: I'm doing some reading. Are uh, oh, you? Yeah? Uh, the wife and I are binge watching shows, but I, I don't know how. And, and I'm not saying this about you by any means, but uh, it seems like everybody out there is watching just an incredible amount of TV. That has mm-hmm. not been the case for me. Maybe that's because I'm chasing a toddler around a lot, and we just you didn't. I don't sit down and watch hours of television. Yeah, but, but
0: what happens that when the toddler goes to bed?
2: Yeah, then we'll watch a show or something like that. But Do toddlers like, go to bed?
0: I mean, not at my house.
2: <laughs> myself, I'm going to bed at like 9.30. <laughs> I mean, I'm not staying up until 2 in the morning to watch TV. So yeah, I A cup of warm milk and then, boop, you're out. Oh, man, I I'm, I love going to bed early. It makes the next morning so much more tolerable. Shocking that Jake Scott retires early. Go to I do. I go to bed early, especially now. And he's up I to with the sun
4: to plant the seeds in the fl- in the field.
0: Yeah, well, well, it goes right along with him wearing the driver's hat and the the, the uh, cardigan. Mm-hmm. And no, the, the saddle shoes. And... But but here's the thing: when I
2: wake up is not really determined by me anymore. So why would That's I want true. to stay up until two in the morning? That just sounds terrible. That sounds like a like a terrible morning to me. The next morning,
3: what, if I could uh, sleep time, until noon is... like
2: I used to, then it would be a different story. Maybe. <laughs> what time is little Sadie waking up? She gets up usually in six thirty seven somewhere in well, there.
0: Oh, uh-huh, so you don't have. You're right. You want to get a little more than four hours.
2: Yeah, I want to get a little shut eye so I can be, you know, fresh for the show. And I don't know. i am just, uh, it, I'm not judging or anything. I just haven't been watching a ton of television. But you said you've been contributing to the or taking care of the family. I thought you would be more of a net negative in that department than a net positive. What do you mean, me being the needy one? Right. Well, uh, I mean, as far as like you know, the the taking care of responsibilities, I, I think of like preparing me- meals and cleaning and that sort of thing.
0: No, people have all been pitching in, and uh, you know, I've been. No, I don't clean. doubt that. I I've been helping cleaning up and whatnot. I doubt and, uh, that. What do you mean, doubt that? No, I what, do, dude, doubt do. You that. think <laughs> I just throw my plate on the table and say, "Hey, honey." clean this up
2: you
4: left out the belch but yeah pretty, I don't, pretty think oh,
2: I don't think you say anything i think you just get up and then go on about <laughs> your away.
4: business
0: man you are giving me uh way too much uh leeway on that i, I my wife is an, is an angel but she's not stupid
2: oh nobody's nobody's saying that
0: we're just well saying i mean that so, so she's not i'm not gonna, even
2: saying she's the one doing the cleaning either i'm
0: just I'm saying, just saying, that saying that it's if I not you if I didn't do my part around here, I'd be in trouble. You know. Yeah, but I mean, you can't have beef casserole for dinner every night either. And even a- even angels have their limits. Oh. You know, and you, you've got to you know hold up your end of the deal. You're doubting that?
1: Oh You're yeah,
0: well,
2: one hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. It works for you, though. It's fine. Again, I'm
0: not judging. <laughs> it's not the way it is, although I, I do have some advantages, but uh, yeah, not, uh I know. not not to the extent that you're describing
1: but here. Maybe I mean,
2: even greater so. Uh,
0: why do you do that, Jim? Because <laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> it's not it's not the reality <laughs> because I and uh, I nor really, would I want it to be really because. Enjoy I mean, it. You know, I mean, I would like to have a personal assistant, but not not by the name that. of Lisa.
2: No, and I, I'm not saying it's just Lisa either. I'm just saying it's not you.
0: Occasionally, I'll ask for a favor, like for someone to get something for me and stuff. But that that's the uh, that's the isn't that the right an old man? Hey, that's what I'm saying. I'm not I'm not judging at
2: all. You've you've done a lot in your day. You can uh, afford to kick up your feet a little bit. I'm not that old. Em- embrace it, Gordon, you know. You've put enough dishes. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. because <laughs> Don't I had say that, it. Because it's that not that, true. That, no, it's not true. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll have more coming up next. We'll notch the last couple of items off Gordon's list. Don't forget that Eric Walden joins us top of the 5 o'clock hour. 97.5. Should,
0: should, should I get a little bell that I can ring? At 1280 The Zone.
2: show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Don't forget, Eric Walden joins us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. We've got the Not Sports Report at 450, but uh, let's try to notch those last couple items off the list, Gordo.
0: Okay, one of them is for my Not Sports Report, so I'm going to save that one. Okay. But uh, let me ask this question. I was reading online earlier today, and I saw a, a blog post. Somebody had talked about how his life would have gone had he planned it. Uh, as he planned it when he was a kid so let me ask you jake and austin if your life had gone as you planned it when you were in say elementary school or junior high school or even high school where would you be right now doing what
4: those are three different answers elementary junior high and high school okay elementary i was going to not just be the next john stockton i was going to be john stockton <laughs> like I okay. would be him, okay. Junior high, I was going to be the next John Stockton. Mm-hmm. High school, I uh turned turned out to want to cover the next John Stockton, and here I be. Hmm. So you figured
0: that out by high school, huh?
4: Pretty much, yeah. I knew I wanted to do something in or around sports. Didn't know I was going to do uh, radio, but thought I actually I wanted to be a play by play announcer. Jake, uh, Jake was going to go to clown college, but the scholarship fell through.
0: No, my my. I thought, I thought at one point you wanted to be an umpire.
4: Yeah, I did. Yeah.
0: What, did I can't want to umpire? be more than one thing?
4: Did, did you go to umpire school or something for a while? Signed up for umpire school. Pulled out of it
0: before I ever went, so. Did you ever want to be like an astronaut? Did, you know, no. a, a, a fireman? There's no uh,
4: oxygen in space. I'm smarter than that. <laughs> okay. And there's All fire... Right involved with firemen
0: jake how about you uh
4: i i've told you this story before
2: um in fourth grade i was a guest dj on the imagination station and from there on out i knew i wanted to be on the radio now, what is the imagination station? You, uh, it was a, I mean, what do you think it was, Gordon? It was a adult contemporary. No, it was a, it was a kids radio
0: station. He led into Delilah every night. <laughs> it was a kids radio station. Well, I have no idea what the imagination station is.
2: It's like
4: uh, it's like Radio Disney before Radio Disney. It huh? used to be okay.
2: AM ten sixty, and they broadcast out of a shack over uh, kind of by. Um, I-215, and where it meets I-15?
4: Okay. On the south end. Uh, not, not up by uh, North Salt Lake, right? Let's see. No, no, no. It's down
2: south a little bit. Like, uh, kind of, this sounds terrible, I guess, but by the juvenile detention center down there, do you know where that is? <laughs> okay.
4: <laughs> I don't. But.
2: Anyway, it's in between I-15 and Redwood Road, and it's on the, it was on the north side of I-215. And it was a kid's radio station. Anyway, I got a chance to guest DJ, and I thought, you know what? This is what I want to do. This is pretty darn cool. What and, did you play that day? And somebody in the, oh, I, oh, I don't even remember. Mamba number 5? The set, the, <laughs> the, the, the playlist was pretty set, but they had the carts and everything, so you an incredible amount of, of preparation went into the whole thing. But also, I grew up neighbors, backdoor neighbors, with somebody in the radio world, Gordon. And so I kind of grew up. That's what I wanted. With that to do. in
0: your frame with of mind, with that oh. in
2: my frame of mind, so I don't have a, any. I mean, I guess I, I'm kind of doing what I wanted to do, what I set out to do. I don't. Okay. I think I'm probably in the minority on that, but yeah.
0: Well, when I was in elementary school, I wanted to be an NFL quarterback. Uh, by the time I got into junior high school, I loved creativity. I loved writing. I got into that, loved English, and uh, that's where, where that was the root of uh, what I ended up doing in my career. But I really wasn't sure that that's what I wanted to pursue until, until after I was an adult. Uh, but uh, I, I never really wanted to be like an astronaut or, you know, the traditional things that you hear people say they want to do. Uh, I didn't want to be a fireman i didn't want to be a a police officer or anything like that i wanted something creative and uh, i i leaned more toward the creativity side than i did pure hardcore sports but uh I, i i wouldn't have been i don't think i would have been overly surprised had i been able to in the seventh grade glimpse ahead to where i am now uh all these years later a lot of kids are surprised, though. I mean, life turns out way different than what they had planned.
2: What is the uh, what is the reason for bringing this up?
0: Because I read it. I read a blog. Oh, that about, about
2: hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah. What's your uh, what's your uh, favorite quarantine food? What's your go to isolation food? Remember we talked about that. What was it called? Carne asada fries uh, was supposedly the favorite in Utah. What uh, have you come to a go to? Uh, during this period of time i have what's yours go go ahead i don't i don't know if i My, have
2: one let me think about it
0: well it's not like I'm, ha- that I'm having this all the time but i i have uh i have we've had it uh two or three times since uh since uh, things have gotten a little crazy with the COVID 19 it is spaghetti and not just spaghetti but spaghetti with the meat sauce and with the brats or Italian sausage in there, and then with vegetables in there as well, mixed in, zucchini and mushrooms and all that together. Boy, that that has hit the spot a couple of times with me. I don't know if that's really considered comfort food, but it's, it's certainly tasted good to me. Uh, that's That's been my favorite meal during this time.
2: I guess my answer would be, so my wife and daughter my toddler she likes to help a lot and so my wife Uh has been having the having sadie help them bake and so i'm not usually a dessert person gordon but yet i've had uh, like they baked cookies the other day they've baked a cake uh scotty g's son brooks baked us a cake which was wonderful by the way uh so i've been having a lot of dessert throughout this whole thing which is weird for me i'm not usually a dessert person but i've been eating a lot of dessert
0: such a give us your favorite
4: oh it's all been good i don't know if i have a favorite
0: hmm. austin have you settled on anything
4: we've been doing uh the usual staples still uh, last night we had boiled hot dogs which is a favorite of mine i really really <laughs> like and i'm not kidding i love boiled. my wife is like what do you want to do for dinner i was like boiled hot dogs she's like Why How about
0: anything else i was like no boiled hot dogs As opposed to on the grill or on the, you know.
4: Right. Uh, It's just, I don't know. We used to go to a place growing up all the time that gave out boiled hot dogs for free a lot. And that was, we ate those all the time. And so I think it's just something I've come to really enjoy. And it's easy and it's fast and it's bad for you. So it's all the good things you want.
0: (laughs) Okay. And then the final question in this regard is, have you gained weight over the past six, seven weeks or have you lost weight?
2: I honestly have no idea. You look the same. Thank you.
0: That's nice of you. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, Jake looks good. Kidding. I mean, that's, oh. that's a compliment. I'll settle for I the get same. It. Jake looks good. Age.
4: Austin looks fat. Ha, ha, ha. The big
0: show. Three to seven. <laughs> no. Two to seven. No. I didn't say that. You said that.
2: What about you, Gordon? You packing on the pounds? No, I think I lost a little.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Here's all you need to know about my answer. I went and bought an elliptical. <laughs> Let's go to break.
0: <laughs> you didn't get the uh, that that vibrating belt thing that they were uh, out.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Do they still make those?
2: Somewhere in hell, yeah. All right, coming up, we've got the Not Sports Report. Stay tuned. Eric Walden, top of the five o'clock hour. It's 97 5 and 1280
1: the zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 975-1280 the zone and the Zone Sports Network. <laughs>
2: Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 12.80, The Zone. It is time for the not Sports Report. Brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, LHMusedCars.com. We've got Eric Walden coming up top at the 5 o'clock hour. But until then, Gordon, where are we going today?
0: We're going to Indiana. Sorry, I was just eating a snack. Austin was calling me. Is that what you were calling me about, Austin?
4: Yeah, yeah. Also, we heard from Hurler. He wanted to know what you were eating for your snack. If you want to hear from Hurler later, let me know. Did you really? Yeah, we got a message from Hurler. On the open mic? Yep. (laughs) Hurler knows how to use the open mic. Wow. That's likely. Good for (laughs) Hurler.
2: You want that now or later? A man of that advanced age knows how to use the open mic feature.
0: (laughs) Pretty impressive. Okay, so... I saw I saw this story let, let, let me let me uh, preface this by asking you a question have you ever been pulled over by an officer for some moving violation and made some lame-brained excuse mm, no Austin dare I ask uh, I've always I've always
4: told the truth yeah 100% the truth but that doesn't well, mean they weren't lame truths yeah <laughs> like, like what I didn't want to go that slow yeah. Mm. No, I've always seems to- I've always had, uh, there, and when I've not had any reason to be speeding, I've always said, "I'm you got me." I, I'm sorry, I, I wasn't paying attention.
0: Now that sounds like a reasonable thing to do. Yeah, it sounds unlike me. Yeah. If you're going to be pulled over for going too fast, you know you're going too fast, right? Right. The only time that uh, my wife was pulled over once because. Well, there was a police officer in the right-hand lane. This was in Nevada, and we came up behind him, and he was going like three miles an hour slower than the speed limit. And I said to her, I said, I bet cops really get tired of people coming up behind them and then just staying there. So she went to pass him real slow. And when she got out in front, then he sped up a little bit, and so she couldn't get back over and so she ended up, she was going like two or three, I think two miles an hour over, three miles an hour over the speed limit, and he pulled us over. Did he give you a ticket? He did. Well, it wasn't a ticket. It was, a, at that time, it was something like wasting natural resources or something. What? Is anyway, that? I, was, I was pretty angry about that one. I thought that was unreasonable. But usually it seems to me like police officers, they, they you know and they know. But there was a man in Minnesota, not Minnesota, he was from Minnesota, but this happened in Indiana. Well, we'll see if he, it happens. I, I, I don't... <laughs> if you're the, I My daughter lives in Minnesota. Yes. Uh, not anymore, though. Okay, so this Minnesota man is driving in Indiana, and he gets caught up in a high-speed chase with Indiana State Police. And... According to the report, this man was clocked by troopers going 120 miles an hour in a 70-mile-an-hour zone, driving a red Mustang. The chase went on for 25 miles, and uh, <laughs> finally the troopers were, they threw stop sticks uh, before the pursuit actually ended. Are those stop sticks the things that blow out your tires? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know either. <laughs> but, you, but you know what the man said? He said, "Sorry, I thought uh, I thought uh, that you wanted to race." To he the thought cop? That, that was his excuse. He thought the police officers wanted to race him.
2: And I'm guessing they didn't buy it, huh?
0: No, they didn't buy that. No, he was booked and taken in. But I. I I I can see a decent excuse, like if you're going a few miles an hour over the speed limit. He's going 50 miles an hour over the speed limit. That's pretty hard to justify, even for those of us who might like to drive a little fast on occasion.
2: So what do you think would be more effective, the I'm trying to race excuse or your favorite, simply, I'm Gordon Monson?
0: (laughs) No, I don't do that. All the I'm time, Gordon I think it pulled over by an officer. And, Jake, this is probably credit to you because I think it was when we were doing the show the first time and the officer pulled me over and he he came up and got my license and went back to the car and then came back and he, he, said, he gave me a warning and he said, love the show.
2: That's nice. That's
0: yeah, nice. I thought that was really nice. Don't you know like, who I am? Uh, It's not like I was just going super fast or anything. But anyway, uh, I thought the I thought you wanted to race uh, excuse was the worst I'd ever heard.
2: Yeah, probably not a high probability of uh, success right there.
0: Yeah, man. 120 miles an hour. Come on, folks. Slow down out there. Be careful. Be cognizant of other people's safety, not just your own. I Uh, said, don't you know who I am? Coming up next. <laughs> I'm Gordon Monson. We're going to
2: talk to Eric Walden, Gordon's coworker over there at the Salt Lake Tribune. He covers the Utah Jazz. We always like it when we get a chance to talk to Eric, so we'll get to him coming up right hey, around the corner. Hey Jake,
0: Jake. Yes? I know, you, I know you've gotten big, and I know you're kind of a big shot now in this, in this market. Far from and it. All of, but please, never let those words cross your lips. I'm Gordon Monson. Don't you know who I am? Never. Because never, Jake. No matter how big you get, never say those words. Because
2: I'm pretty sure next time, you know, knock on wood. Hopefully, never. But next time, if I ever get in trouble with the with the law, I'm Gordon Monson. Are going to be the first <laughs> words out of my mouth? Oh,
0: great. All right. I uh, see how it is. I'm going to see
2: if I can get a fake ID made up with my picture. <laughs> it says Gordon Monson. Oh, so if you get a answer. if you get a summons or something like that, let me know. All
0: right. All right. I know where you I know where you live. You do.
2: <laughs> All right. Eric Walden joins us coming up next, 97.5 and twelve eighty of the zone.